Well, Chet Holmgren officially became the highest Zag selected in NBA draft history, surpassing Adam Morrison by going number two overall to Oklahoma City, while Andrew Nembhard's strong performance at the NBA draft combine helped him become the first player selected in the second round, going number 31 overall to Indiana. We will talk all about Chet's promising fit in OKC, why this is probably better than Orlando for the unicorn, and we will look at the questionable fit for Andrew Nembhard in Indiana, and a trio of WCC alumni who agreed to turn with new NBA teams, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here on vacation in Grover Beach, California, heading out to a buddy's wedding, but I wanted to get this show out to talk all about the new Zags in the NBA. Of course, the NBA draft happened on Thursday evening. Chet Holmgren, Andrew Nemhard, both heard their names called in the NBA draft. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Remind you, of course, that we are live on YouTube. Over 750 subscribers on YouTube trying to get to 1,000 before the next college basketball season tips off. We are very, very close to that. So please, please, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so already. We're going to start today's episode out, of course, with Chet Holmgren. There was a lot of expectation slash it wasn't quite a guarantee, but it felt very likely that Chet Holmgren was going to break the 16-year-old record for the highest drafted Zag of all time. Of course, Adam Morrison famously went to the Charlotte Hornets number three. At the the time, Charlotte Bobcats, excuse me, went to Charlotte uh, in the 2006 NBA draft. That was 16 years ago, number three overall. Chet Holmgren broke that record by going number two. To Oklahoma City. The draft didn't quite shake out the way we thought. The expectation all along was that Jabari Smith out of Auburn was going to go number one overall to Orlando. Chet was going to go number two, and Paolo Bancaro out of Duke was expected to go number three to Houston. Apparently, Orlando was kind of doing a smokescreen. It's not clear why they had the number one pick. There was no reason to hide why they were doing so, but they ended up deciding to take Bancaro number one overall, even though he did not work out with the magic that left the Oklahoma City Thunder with the choice between Chet and Jabari. They stayed the course, went with Chet. Jabari went number three to Houston. I think this is a great fit for Chet, a fantastic fit. It's where he wanted to go. It was his preference. There were some leaks that indicated that he was more, he felt better going to OKC than he did in Orlando because of the fit with the current roster, development, history, things like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, the narrative fit of him in Orlando alongside Jalen Suggs reuniting with his old high school teammate, a pair of Zags who didn't get to play together in Spokane. Getting to play together in Orlando would have been great, would have been very fun. There's no debate about that, but I think this definitely is a better fit for him in Oklahoma City. This is a team that did a lot of recouping throughout the draft. They drafted Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. We'll talk about him in segment three. They also drafted Jalen Williams, the power forward or slash center out of Arkansas. Two players named Jalen Williams. Just a fun fact for those who those poor beat reporters who cover Oklahoma City who now have to deal with that at least as long as those two players are on that roster. 
But this is a team that's developing. They're growing. They have a, a not super soon timeline, which gives Chet a little bit more time to develop. I think the expectation is not necessarily that Chet is going to light the NBA on fire right away. He's young. He's 19. Uh, obviously, he has not struggled at pretty much any stop throughout his basketball career. So I don't think he's going to be someone who struggles significantly in the NBA. But his best seasons are not going to be his first couple. He's probably going to get better as he matures 24 25 26 you know we're talking about five six seven years down the road i think then he's going to fill out a little bit more he's going to be more physically imposing get a better sense of the nba game all of that stuff so he fits the timeline in oklahoma city a little bit better and then i think the biggest thing is chet doesn't need the ball in his hands to score. He's not a huge shot creator. He's not a guy who needs a high usage rate to be effective on the offensive end of the floor. He's a guy who is a lob threat. He's a low post scorer. He's a spot up outside shooter. He needs creators around him. He needs guards around him who can find ways to get him the ball, who can rely on him to to be a low post threat, to be an outside shooter, but don't, don't doesn't necessarily need to give him the ball and get out of his way. That's not really Chet's style. And that fits really well with who's already in OKC. Shai Gilgis, Alexander, outstanding young guard, gifted passer, very talented player. And then Josh Giddy, who was the most recent top 10 pick by Sam Presti and Oklahoma City, a phenomenal Australian guard, really good passer, good rebounder, uh, per- perhaps one of the steals of the draft, if you can call the number six overall pick a steal. Uh, those two guys, I think, are going to play really, really, well with Chet Holmgren, assuming, of course, that Oklahoma City keeps that young core together. I think you're going to see a really kind of strong growth from that from that franchise. And I really think that this is this is as good of a fit. I think Houston would have been a great fit, although it would have been not as fun to see Chet get drafted number three. It was fun to see him break Adam Morrison's record as opposed to just tying it. But I think that would have been a fine fit as well. So I'm very excited for Chet. I think it's going to be great here. I want to go over a few analyst reactions here before we get into segment two and we talk a little bit more about Andrew Nembhard at that point. Uh, tons of people did NBA draft grades. I pulled the ones, the, the analysts that I respect the most that I think really are plugged into college basketball and plugged into the NBA draft kind of landscape. Uh, first one, Brian Kalbrowski at For the Win through USA Today. Kalbrowski is Awesome. He did a ton of great mock draft stuff. He loves the Zags too, so it's fun to have his input here. He gave his pick an A+. He said he had Chet ranked the highest player in his class. He applauds Oklahoma City for not changing their mind. When when Bancaro ended up going first, there was some thought that maybe Oklahoma City would, would pivot as well and take Jabari second and, and let Chet fall to third. But he applauds them for not doing that. He thinks Chet is the right fit here. John Fanta, who's a Big East play-by-play announcer, he also writes at uh, Fox News, or Fox Sports, excuse me. Uh, he's phenomenal as well. If you don't follow him on Twitter, a highly recommended follow there. Uh, Fanta gave this an A as well. He praises Chet's work ethic. He praises, excuse me, he praises his ability to handle physicality despite his frame. He did mention concerns about his frame. Everybody mentioned it a little bit. It's understandable, I think. There's a lot of extremism in a lot of aspects of our country right now, frankly, but particularly when it comes to NBA draft analysis. And so for some people, like the the frame argument for Chet Holmgren is just taken directly to an extreme. It is like he is not going to be good enough because of his frame. It's just not going to work. Whereas in reality, like there needs to be some nuance to this conversation. And that's kind of what I appreciate about fantasy. He says, yeah, the frame is an issue. It might be a concern, but it is not so devastating that he's not going to be a particularly elite player. And I appreciate that there's kind of some some nuance in the way that he analyzes this pick for Oklahoma City. And then last is Gary Parrish from CBS Sports. We had a little clip from Gary Parrish on a podcast last week. So many of you who listen to that have heard his voice very recently. Parrish also gave this an A-plus 
He believes Chet has the highest ceiling in the draft. He also, of course, mentioned that the frame concerns are legit, but not not enough to to not take a player with his defensive ceiling, with his outside shooting, particularly when you look at Oklahoma City's roster last year, where outside shooting was perhaps the team's biggest weakness, just in general. Uh, and of course, the defense, every team needs better post-defense. It's just one of those things that is so lacking in the NBA. So for Chet to be able to fill two big holes for Oklahoma City is fantastic. And I think uh, you can see most of the analysts kind of really agree that this was this was a great pick for Oklahoma City and a good fit for Chet. Right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to analyze Nemhard heading to Indiana, what that means for him, what the playing time situation looks like on the Pacers, and of course what some of those draft analysts have to say. But before we get there, let's talk about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still in Patton, still locked on Zags, still chatting about the 2022 NBA draft, a pair of Zags, Finding new homes in the draft, Nembhard, or excuse me, Holmgren goes number two overall to Oklahoma City. Andrew Nembhard was second. He went number 31 overall to the Indiana Pacers, the first pick of the second round of the NBA draft. Nembhard had a very, very meteoric rise. I think a lot of people really didn't consider him an NBA draft prospect for years, frankly. He, He declared for the NBA draft multiple times. Ended up choosing to come back to school. Uh, obviously ended up choosing to transfer to Gonzaga in the first place after checking out the draft then. And is now now an NBA draft candidate. An, an NBA draft draftee, excuse me, I guess. He, he is a guy who, he was great at Gonzaga. A fantastic point guard. Really, really solid career. One of the best pick and roll specialists in the entire draft. Uh, pr- made tremendous strides as an outside shooter, which was a significant development for him in terms of becoming an NBA player. But even after the season, even after he had the best outside shooting year of his career, even after he led Gonzaga to the number one seed throughout the season, even after he, you know, he had the most successful year of his career, he was still being talked about as like eh, maybe a second round pick, maybe an undrafted free agent, a priority two way contract type guy. There wasn't a lot of discussion about him being an NBA draft pick, even though as soon as he declared for the draft, he did not have the ability to return to school. He couldn't do what Julian Strother did, what Rasir Bolton did, uh, what Drew Timmy did. He couldn't do that because you have a certain number of times you're allowed to declare for the NBA draft before you have to go. So once he declared, he was done. He was not coming back to Gonzaga. But even still, there was, I saw him like on, in the 70s on a lot of big boards, which is well outside of kind of the range of being drafted. But... Nembhard then went to the NBA Draft Combine. He secured that invite, which was huge. And once he was there, he he didn't play at first, and there was kind of some concern, like, oh, he's not even going to show up. He's not going to play. He was dealing with some injuries, but he managed to get into a couple games and really impressed. Looked really, really good. We did a whole episode a couple weeks ago about how much he improved his draft stock at the NBA Combine to the point where we saw him showing up in, in the late first round. We saw him 25th, 24th, 29th to Memphis was a really popular spot for him on mock drafts. Like, he became a guy who 
who went from very unlikely to be drafted to, hey, this guy could be a first-round pick. And it's not because his performance in college changed. It's because he did so well at the combine that people started to pay attention. Some of those old rumors about him, like, hey, he can't really shoot, he can't really do this. Uh, people started watching the tape from last year and realized, oh, no, he can. He, he did that. He made those improvements. He, he, he did those things that, that we didn't think he was capable of doing. Now, first pick, second round, heading out to Indiana, uh, 17th draft pick in the Mark Fu era, huge accomplishment for this Gonzaga program. Seven of them have been in the lottery, uh, just a tremendous growth for this program in general. Uh, Nemhard joins Ben Matherin out of Arizona. He was the sixth overall pick in the draft, also going to Indiana. Two Canadians, two of the best players in college basketball last year, two primary Canadians, of course, coached by Mark Fu and Tommy Lloyd, another fun connection there uh, for these two guys to head out to Indiana. Pacers are a bit of an odd spot. I talked a lot about Nemhard being a guy who should go to a win-now team, a team like Golden State or Denver or Memphis or the Lakers, a team that wants to win now, that is is gearing up to have a, have a team that's going to go deep into the playoffs. And Indiana is not that. So the fit there is a little bit less. doesn't make as much sense. Nemhard's an older prospect. He's a guy who's whose window is a little bit shorter, whose peak is maybe not a few years away. His peak might be earlier in his career. Uh, that tends to be how it works with older prospects. So now, Indiana doesn't have a ton of great depth in the guard room. It's a little bit spotty there. It kind of depends what happens with Ricky Rubio, who is on their roster, but is probably not going to suit up with them. He's had some very serious injury issues. He's kind of there to balance out some contract situations. Malcolm Brogdon, who many people believe is a trade candidate for Indiana if they are looking to rebuild. They're trading some of their veteran guys to get younger, to get future draft picks all of that. Brogdon's expected to be the starting point guard. If they do trade him, that certainly opens up more space as well for Nembar to potentially play a point guard role. Uh, TJ McConnell is still in the mix. He would probably take over the starting role if Brogdon were to get traded. Uh, they also have plenty of other guards on the roster. They have Halliburton, who's fantastic, but he's more of a combo guard. Matherin, Chris Duarte out of Oregon are probably going to play more of that combo guard role. So I think for pure point guards, Indiana doesn't have a ton of depth there, but I'm not. It's, they're not really the team that I thought fit him the best. But they got they got room for him to play. And, and ultimately, all you need is you need a chance. You need an opportunity. You need the chance to get onto the court and play meaningful minutes. And that could happen for him in Indiana. A couple analysts' opinions. A lot of the analysts that did uh, draft grades for every pick in the draft, they didn't. They most of them just did the first round, which I totally understand. Uh, it's it's a lot harder to to be critical of second round picks at this point. They're more shot in the darks uh, in a lot of ways. So it was unfortunate that Nembhard was the first pick of the second round in the sense that we don't have as many analysts out there giving draft grades on it. But there were still a few people out there who did full round draft or the entire draft grades. One of them was Gary Parish out of CBS. He gave this this pick a B for Indiana. He said it's a safe selection. He said that Nemhard's lack of explosiveness can limit his upside, which I think is reasonable. I think that's fair. He's not an explosive athlete. He never has been an explosive athlete. The NBA does is an athlete league in a lot of ways, so that is kind of going to be a bit of a challenge for him. Uh, but he mentions that there's minutes to go around. John Hollinger at The Athletic also did a full uh, analyst of every pick in the NBA draft. He didn't give a specific grade, but he mentioned who he would have picked. In this case, he said he would have picked EJ Liddell, who was going to be a surprising faller out of Ohio State. I think he ended up going 43rd or 41st uh, in the NBA draft. Uh, Hollinger mentioned that he thinks Indiana is actually kind of crowded in the guard room, which I there's a lot of bodies, but I'm not sure there's a lot of players who are even going to be there by the time the season starts, especially if they end up trading Brogdon. So I'm not sure that I agree with that analysis there. Uh, and it kind of depends on whether they, they try to shift Tyrese Halliburton into more of a, a point guard role, which I don't know exactly if they're going to try to do that. If they do plan to do that, then taking Nembhard 
would have made less sense if they're trying to turn Halliburton into a true point guard. But if they want Halliburton to play a little bit more off the ball, and that's sort of some of this probably depends on the, the development of Ben Matherin or Chris Duarte. If Matherin is like straight up starting shooting guard right out of the shoots, then yeah, they're probably going to play Halliburton more at the one. That does limit the role for Nembhard, depending uh, again what happens with Malcolm Brogdon. All right, that is the analysis on Andrew Nembhard. We're going to have a lot more conversation about Nembhard and Chet uh, as we kind of look through the the upcoming NBA season as Summer League gets going, all of that stuff. Very excited to talk more about these guys and the other Zags in the NBA. But the final segment for today's episode is going to be a look at other WCC stars. Jalen Williams, 12th overall pick to Oklahoma City. Jamari Bouye signed with the Miami Heat. Tommy Cousy signed with the Orlando Magic. We're going to talk about those fits and those players as well. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need made things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. We're still talking NBA draft recap stuff. We covered the two Zags, Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard, who went number two and number 31 overall, respectively, to Oklahoma City and Indiana. Now here in segment three, we're talking the rest of the WCC. It was a phenomenal year for the WCC during the basketball season. It remained a phenomenal year for the WCC heading into the NBA draft, most notably Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, a kind of forgotten star. He was one of the best players in the WCC, but nobody was talking about him because nobody likes to talk about the WCC, even though the talent pool in that conference is tremendous. Jalen Williams was in a late, late riser through the NBA draft process. He he balled out at the combine. He played extremely well. Beyond that, his size, his frame, his wingspan. He's got an over seven foot wingspan as a six foot six guard who shot forty plus percent from three. All of a sudden, scouts were like, "Hey, this dude is good." And GMs and other people were like, "Oh, this is kind of a forgotten dude." And a lot of times, late risers, you'd be a little bit weary of them because. You know, why were they all of a sudden being talked about now? But when they come from smaller schools and they come from schools that unfortunately get ignored a lot in the national conversation, it's kind of easy to see how a guy like that might fly under the radar until they're in the draft process and they're going up against guys who are also NBA draft candidates. And you're realizing this dude's better. He's better. He's longer. He's faster. He's more athletic, whatever it may be, than all of these dudes in this draft process. And that's how you see a guy like Williams go from a non-prospect. We don't even think he's going to declare for the draft because players from schools like Santa Clara don't declare for the draft early. That's the thought process to all of a sudden, we're talking about a guy who went in the lottery. He went in the lottery. First time two two players from the WCC went in the lottery since 1985. 
That's more than my lifetime ago. That is a long time ago to have two WCC players go in the lottery, a tremendous accomplishment. He's the first player since Steve Nash in 1996 to get drafted out of Santa Clara. That went pretty darn well. For, for Steve Nash out there, not sure Jalen Williams can reach that very lofty goal there as a Hall of Famer, multiple-time MVP. But this is a great, 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 great player. I think it's going to be a fun fit in Oklahoma City, again, alongside Chet Holmgren, alongside the other Jalen Williams, who was 34th overall pick uh, out of Arkansas. I think this is really, really fun. Uh, a lot of the analysts kind of liked it as well. Some people thought that it was maybe a bit of a reach, which probably was. Most of the mocks had him in the 20 to 30 range uh, a little bit later than that. But again, the, the industry or the mocks are not necessarily where the industry thinks. And if Oklahoma City thought, hey, this guy's not going to last to 34 or he's not, it's not even worth trading down to get him because so many teams are interested in him, then they felt like they had to pull the trigger on him. Kalbrowski uh, out of USA Today, he gave it a B. He said, again, he's a little weary of late risers, but he loves Williams's length. John Fanta out of uh, Fox Sports uh, gave it a B as well. He is the same thing, thought it was a bit of an overpay, but he likes the length. He likes the potential for him to be somebody who could guard all four, four out of five positions defensively. Gary Parrish gave it a B plus. Uh, said he wasn't valued at Santa Clara, but the tape, if you watch the tape, you can tell that this is a legitimate NBA player. And then Sam Vecini at The Athletic, he likes Williams, he likes his length, but he thought that maybe for Oklahoma City and their desperate need for shooters that they should have taken A.J. Griffin out of Duke, who went 16th overall. I get that. I kind of thought A.J. Griffin was, was a surprising faller in the draft. Uh, I wouldn't have, for Oklahoma City, I'm not a fan of the team, but I wouldn't have hated if they took A.J. Griffin there, but kind of fun to see them go with, of course, the Santa Clara guy. Next up, Jamari Bouye. Not super shocked he didn't get drafted. I was really hoping that he would sneak into the second round. I think he has the talent to be a guy who sticks in the NBA. It's much more difficult to get into the NBA and stick into the NBA through the undrafted process. So it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to secure what would have been a safer route to the league by getting drafted. But he signed very, very quickly after the draft. May have had a promise uh, from this team, the Miami Heat, before that happened. Uh, so he's going to be joining the Miami Heat in summer league. He's going to get a chance to prove his worth. Uh, he's going to be close to his former coach in Florida. This is, of course, only if he sticks with the Miami roster. But if he does so, he'll be closer to Todd Golden, who is now the coach in Gainesville at the University of Florida. Kind of a fun mix. Uh, Miami has found really good shooters late in the draft. Tyler Hero uh, you know, was a, was a phenomenal pick for them. Duncan Robinson has not been particularly good the last year or so. Really didn't play much in the playoffs, but was a very, very good undrafted free agent find for them. Prior to that, Bouye is an outstanding shooter. He's a great shot creator. He's just undersized. He's 6'1", 180, and that's, it's hard. It's hard to stick in the league if you're, if you're that small. This year, the first player taken who was under 6'4", was Kennedy Chandler, who went number 38 overall. Like, there are 37 players picked, none of them below 6'4". The league is just valuing size and length so much right now. And Bowie, just, he just doesn't have those things. But he's got the skill set. He's got the shooting. He's got the shot creation. I think this is I think this is a guy who could really stick in the NBA. It's going to be a tough path. It was always going to be a tough path for him. Uh, he's gone a non-traditional route before, obviously going to San Francisco and sticking it out there instead of transferring to a higher profile program. So I'm really excited to see if he can make this thing work. If he does, if he gets into the NBA, he'll be the first NBA player out of the University of San Francisco since Ime Udoka, the new head coach for the Boston Celtics. Udoka played one year at the University of San Francisco in 97-98. I forgot that, that he was there. I knew him as a Portland guy, a Portland State guy, but he did begin his career or play part of his career in college at San Francisco. So it has been a long time since there was a dawn in the NBA, so hopefully Bouye can find a way to get into the league. And then finally, this news broke just shortly before I hit the record button today. Tommy Cousy 
is going to play with the Orlando Magic on a summer league deal as well. I'm not sure I see an NBA career for Tommy Cousy, frankly. I think he's going to be a great European League player. I think he's a great basketball player in general. Uh, but the size is a limit, limiting there. The athleticism is limiting there. I'm just not sure. The shot creation is good, but not elite. Uh, so I have a hard time seeing him fit in the NBA. I think he's a great guy to fill out a summer league roster. Like, I think he fits there, and I think he could he could turn some heads. He could impress some guys. He could absolutely land in the G League if that's what he wants to do. Um, but I'm not quite sure I see it. But then again, he's phenomenal in the pick and roll. I mean, one of the best pick and roll guards we've ever seen uh, against Gonzaga. He carved up a Gonzaga team with Chet Holmgren on it uh, just by just by being an absolute menace in the pick and roll. Pick and roll is, is the most important skill for guards in the NBA right now, that and outside shooting. He's got both those things. He can do both those things. He's been an inconsistent three-point shooter throughout his career. He developed significantly in that area. So I think some scouts might be willing to bank on the fact that that, that development is real and that he is a knockdown three-point shooter. But he would have to be like elite elite as a three-point shooter in order to carve out a career in the NBA, especially at his size and his advanced age. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Thank you for sticking with me. Vacation podcasting, here we are. Back to normal next week. We got plenty more thoughts on this upcoming Gonzaga season. Of course, we got more thoughts on the NBA, guys. We'll talk more chat, more Nembhard. We'll have some guests on to talk about how this draft may have impacted the other Zags in the NBA. You know, the Zags in Washington, the Zags in Memphis, all of that stuff. So much fun stuff coming your way as we head into July right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you to all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC may not exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin, former guest of the show, as well as local experts on Locked On, take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening. And go Zags.